Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. Hello, everyone. Kitro here. Time for another episode of TSFP Presents Super Seasons. On this week's episode, we discuss the 2006-2007 season, one of the most dramatic finales to a campaign in Spain ever. Enjoy. Hello patrons, welcome to the third episode in TSFP Presents Super Seasons. There is a super amount of excitement in the Podmobile yeah. today because uh, the season we're going to talk about uh, is one which could be described as super. I mean, all the years that you've been in Spain, Sid, was this one, this is a contender for the best season, isn't it? Sure. Yeah, it could without, be described as crazy. Without doubt. Well, I mean, I'm going to read something that I wrote. Now, admittedly, I'm not saying that I am the oracle, but obviously it's quite helpful to go back over the things I wrote because at least I'm then giving you what my opinion was, not passing off someone else's opinion as my own. Okay. But, but at the end of the season... Of the 2006-2007 season. Oh yeah, we didn't actually tell them which season it was. Chance, but no, we could it was have just one. told them yes. and seen if they could guess, yes. although obviously we can't hear them. Anyway, at the end of the season, I've, I've wrote this. So the longest, weirdest and most fabulous topsy-turvy season finally comes to an end. A season which went from really rubbish to really brilliant in a flash. A season that changed hands in just 18 seconds. A season where none of the top six have managed to win two successive games in a total of 54 matches, but then suddenly put together brilliant runs as we reached the home straight. A season which Real Madrid somehow managed to win the league, turning around the result in seven of their final eight matches and losing just once in the last 16 to take it on the head-to-head rule a season in which Barcelona threw it away and in which Sevilla just ran out of energy, missing a golden and possibly unique opportunity. Absolutely. That's so it is the, uh, the Liga of the Remontadas, which is what it's known certainly for Real Madrid fans, yeah. because as you said, they came back in, as you said, seven of their last eight games, came from behind to, uh, uh, to win. Um, it was a fabulous season. It was a season in which Barcelona came into it as Spanish and European champions, yep. and a lot was expected from them. Real Madrid had not won anything for three seasons, which is a very was, long time. It was their worst run for over half a century. Yes, uh, and obviously Sevilla as well. Those three, those are the three main protagonists. In yeah, this and, season and actually, as well. while Sevilla ran this title very close, it wasn't a huge surprise because they'd been close the year before. You know, they hadn't been a million miles off. They weren't really contenders in quite the same way. But we well, knew, fifth the season yeah, before. we knew yeah. at the start of the season. But they were a good team. And we knew that uh, when, when they had a very good start, when they, when they got top, I think, after seven weeks or something like that, we knew it wasn't a one-off. I and mean, we knew there was half a chance that they, that they could hang in there. So the 20 teams in La Liga for this season were Athletic, Atletico, Barcelona, Betis, Celta, Depor, Espanyol, Getafe, Nastic de Tarragona, who were promoted, up, yeah. uh, Mallorca, Levante, Osasuna, Racing, uh, Real Madrid, Real Sociedad, Recre, uh, Sevilla, Valencia, Villarreal, and Zaragoza. And as uh, producer Al pointed out, um, uh, Recre managed by Marcelino. Yes. 
uh, and who, who still looks boyish now. <laughs> so I mean, then he looked like an actual child. Yeah, he really did. I mean, although although he was probably kind of a man child then, because while he looked like a, a boyish character, he was dressed in that very preppy way that sort of makes as he still is. Sort of he makes him look changed at makes all. him look older and younger at the same time, and it's hard to put your finger on which one of the two it is. Also, of course, he had a certain. Santiago Cazorla. Yes, he did. Uh, amongst his uh, with amongst a magnificent haircut as well, yes. Santi back then. It was long at the back. It back was in those quite days. mullety. Ah, that's all right. He yeah. can pull off a mullet if anyone yeah, can pull off a mullet. I mean, the mullet here in Spain is still considered very much an acceptable form of. And that uh, was that was Cazorla's kind of breakthrough season. I remember the joke going round that they described him as their very own Ronaldinho. Ah, because he was every bit as funny, every bit as ugly, and every bit as good at football. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, Ronaldinho was with uh, Barcelona, who, as we said, were uh, uh, defending Spanish champions, defending European champions. We won't talk about that, Al. Let's not talk about that. Um, you say they were defending Spanish champions. I mean, they, they finished 12 points ahead of Real Madrid in the, in the previous season. So they hadn't just won the league the previous year. Uh, they had really dominated the league as well. Yeah. Uh, Ronaldinho amongst their ranks, uh, along with Samuel Eto'o, although Eto'o had a, uh, a terrible injury uh, this yeah. season. Uh, and I think that's uh, a big part of why Barcelona was so poor. Um, one of the things that, that I, I remember writing about it this season was this idea that while Barcelona could dominate games, I suppose in a way this was sort of foreshadowing what we ended up seeing from the Spanish national team, certainly at the last World Cup, that Barcelona would dominate games, have loads of possession, but wouldn't have that incisiveness, that touch of aggression that Eto'o gave them. And, and given that they only lost the league on the head-to-head record you wonder a season in which Eto'o had played more mm. perhaps they would have held on there but there was a sense I think that the, the decline was coming that things were a little bit wrong and for example they lost to all the big teams so I mean over the course of the season I think I'm right in saying they only lost seven maybe eight times but like six of those are against the top five mm. so, so when it came to the big games they just didn't seem to have a response. And this was Rijkaard's uh, fourth season in charge, I think. So was it a classic case of, you know, a coach has been there for a, for a while and mm. just starts to lose a little bit of whatever it was that, that was keeping everything together? Well, and one of the things that it was was, was, uh, was Tenkata, his assistant, who, who moved on. Uh, although, in truth, you know, this was that season. And yet, of course, he stayed for another one. And so the following season was a season when you really, really felt that this was a club in decline and needed a drastic change. Of course, was when Guardiola came. Because, in. as you've said, you know, things may have been starting to, to fall apart and there were problems off the pitch, but it was, the league was still decided on head to head. It's not yes. like they had a bad season. Well, and we talked about this a, a little bit the other day. You know, they, they, they won the league on head to head in the only league that has head to head. Had the league, as all the other European leagues did at the time, yes. had normal goal difference, then Barca would have been champions. I mean, that's how tight this was. Because they scored considerably more goals than Real Madrid and conceded considerably fewer yes. uh, than Real Madrid. Real Madrid, Real Madrid <laughs> scored very, very few goals that year. Uh, they were knocked out of the Copa del Rey, though, by Getafe, Barcelona, yes. this season. 4-0. Yeah, but, but the amazing thing about this, of course, is it was 4-0, and this is knocked out against Getafe in the game, well not the game, the second leg of the game when Messi does that goal. Yes, that unbelievable goal. You know which goal we're talking about if you don't go and look at it. The Maradona one, the one that's as close to Maradona as you'll ever see. Uh, Anyway, so that was Barcelona. Uh, They had brought in Lilian Turan Zambrotta. And they were both, I mean, Turan at that point was 34 years old. Zambrotta was 29, I think. So they were sort of experienced veteran signings. Of course, this is the summer in which 
uh, Italy had just won the the World Cup, so you you, you saw some Italians. Zambrotta, of course, was a world champion. Uh, Cannavaro at Real Madrid will come on to him. He was a, a world champion as well. And the key thing, of course, this is off the back of the Calciopoli, so this is the Juventus fire sale. Hmm. So Barcelona went right. Let's go and have these two. Unfortunately, they didn't choose the best two, and Turan was was decent enough, but Zambrotta was just awful. I mean, apart from the fact he looks like Mr. Punch, uh, he, he played like Mr. Punch for a lot of that season. He was just just so bad. Uh, who's Mr. Punch? You know, he's in Punch and Judy. Okay. Look at him. Next time you see a picture of him, he looks like Punch out of Punch and Judy. All right. Uh, Real Madrid then had had uh, three trophyless years, as we said. Uh, mm. Absolute um, uh, wasteland in terms of trophies. Yep. Uh, just really, really awful. Uh, Ramon Calderon taking over as the uh, president after Florentino Perez resigned. Yeah, with hindsight, I don't know um, if this was the right thing to do if you should say things like this but I remember the way that Calderon behaved led to me ending up calling him President Tourette's because he had this thing that he kind of couldn't control what he was saying he would he would sort of spit things out and then go oh, I mean there was that very famous moment where he was um, doing he's still a, a bit like that now yeah, yeah he's still fairly yeah, active on Twitter exactly. there was a very famous moment where he did this speech in front of 150 students and it was when he said that Guti was the eternal promise who never makes it that all our players are spoiled that David Beckham is a, is, is a medio actor half an actor on his way to Hollywood of course this was during that, that um, in January and February of 2000 Seven, Beckham is negotiating with with Los Angeles. He's out of the Real Madrid team. He's been ditched by them. Calderon says all these things about the players, which I think actually disguised the fact that he was right in what he said. But then afterwards, he said, "Well, this is this was a private conversation. It's a disgrace that this came out. Well, this is a private conversation in in front of 150 students that you've never met with a microphone." Um, it's quite likely to come out, isn't it? And he came in as well, promising Kaká, of course, who was at Milan at the at the time, and, I, and not delivering him. I remember him saying that the day that I die, my head tomb, uh, my headstone will say, um, "Here lies the president that didn't bring Kaká." Which may well be true, if only because there probably isn't room on a headstone to say, here lies the president that did this, did that, did the other. He was kind of comically awful, and yet I suspect at heart. Probably not that bad a guy. Uh, he didn't sign Kaká. He did sign Lasana Diara, though. Well, I mean, look, we, you know that Madrid midfield, Diara and Emerson. Okay, not Lasana Diara. Not yeah. Lasana. Sorry, the other Diara. Madrid sorry. did go on to sign Lasana. Mahamadou Diara. This was the better of the, the yeah. Diara. I mean, I mean genuinely, Mahamadou Diara and, and, and Emerson, neither of whom were terrible players in their own right, but this sort of sums <laughs> up Capello right. that they played with these two defensive midfielders neither of whom were great yeah and they were just so dull I remember writing a column where my opening line was Jesus wept which obviously <laughs> you taking advantage of the fact that in Spain Jesus is a name that people Jesus. do so I then ran it on from Jesus wept yeah so did Alvaro and Oscar and, and <laughs> Javi and Martin and all the rest of it because watching Real Madrid was painfully bad I mean it does seem quite symbolic that you know Zidane had just retired of course that, yes. that summer so they'd mm. lost Zidane from their midfield and they'd brought mm. in Emerson and, and, and Diara they weren't good to watch I mean they, they were genuinely awful I, 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 I quite I, I sort of wanted to do this right because I thought I, I actually looked back at some of the things that I said about Real Madrid just to put into context the sort of enormity of them eventually winning the league and you know these are things said at the time not knowing they're going to go on and win the league but I wrote for example at one point um, it's not just that Getafe beat Real Madrid it was that it wasn't just that Madrid were beaten it was they were rubbish really really 
really rubbish. I mean, you know, for things to be so bad that you write that. But then the other one, I was looking up, and I think this sums it up sums it up reasonably well. There's a there's a game, and I can't remember which game it is. I must confess. It says uh, the the newspapers rolled out the adjectives appalling, dreadful, shameful, terrible, as if they'd just swallowed a thesaurus. They'd have been better off swallowing Roger's Profanosaurus from Viz. Real Madrid were shit. <laughs> I mean, you know, to, the the fact that at that stage I felt emboldened enough to be able to write that. I mean, how bad they were. I man. mean, you you mentioned Capello. He was back ten years later. Of course, we had yes. um, Capello in our in our first episode on '96. We are Capello's biggest fans, clearly. Both well. Capello seasons. I mean, he was brought back presumably because he was seen as being someone who could deliver trophies after three trophyless years. Yeah, and, and serious. So he was he was seen as a as a guarantee. I mean, he was very serious. Yeah, very very serious. Um, you know, he he did this thing where where every every answer in press conferences would be look mirror. Hmm. It's like, yeah, that's the problem, mate. We are looking. Mm. <laughs> this, We're looking this re- too much. This really isn't very good. Uh, but yet... Yes, uh, let's move on and talk about Sevilla as well. Mm. Obviously, uh, they had uh, Juan de Ramos at the helm. And they had a bloody good team as They're well. A really good team. If you look at their squad, um, you know, Danny Alves was there. Old Jesus Navas was there. I genuinely Fabiano, think Danny Alves was the best player in Spain that season. Canute. With, probably with Van Nesselrooy. They bought Christian Paulson as Christian well. Paulson. Well, that was the thing. Paulson was the only real sort of summer signing. Otherwise, it was just keeping that group of players together, I guess, because like you say, they knew from the season before that they were good enough to They were to good challenge. enough to, to, to get quite close, yeah. And and obviously, they, they would play Paulson with Renato. And I always remember thinking that Renato was this guy that we never really talked about, but was hugely important. His ability to kind of... I mean, I know we've used this phrase a million times, the, the yegada, that ability to get into the area and, and be decisive, even if he wasn't necessarily controlling the game. Paulson was much more of a, of a game controller mm. in, in that sense. They had an incredibly tough centre-back partnership. I mean, mm. you know, Javi Navarro and Pablo Alfaro were yes. a little bit dirty. Yes, just a, just a tad. <laughs> I think we've spoken about them before. Yeah. Maybe I think we're 21st century legends. Yes, <laughs> we, we definitely did. We should mention as well that before the season even got underway, there was, of course, the UEFA Super Cup that year, which was between Sevilla and Barcelona in Monaco, in which Sevilla took Barca apart and beat them 3 0. And Danny Alves, I think, well, was man Danny of the match. Danny Alves was extraordinary that day. I mean, that was one of those days, of which there were many, where Alves played everywhere. Mm. You know, this was the right back who's suddenly up at right midfield, then he's in centre forward position, then he's bursting through the middle of the midfield. I mean, it's just, it was just this kind of. I mean, everyone knows this because they were, then went on to see him at Sevilla. But I feel kind of. Pleased in a way that we can big him up as a sorry. Everyone went saw him severe. They saw him at Barcelona. I feel pleased that we can big him up as a pre-Barcelona player mm. because he was just extraordinary. Mm. Uh, despite that, Barcelona started relatively strongly. They were top yep. after six games, uh, but they did lose Eto to that serious uh, injury, kept him mm. out for about for about four months, and that was sort of tied in to um, them uh, potentially uh, losing uh, the title because the title was lost on head-to-head, and it was and they. Lost at the uh, at the Bernabeu on the twenty second of October. They lost yep. the Clasico. Uh, Real Madrid winning by two goals to nil. Uh, Raúl and uh, Ruud van Nistelrooy. Scored yeah, it. we haven't really. Let's maybe talk about van Nistelrooy, shall we? Because I mean, he was Real Madrid's probably biggest uh, summer signing that that summer more than all the all the others. 
And Sid, you just said he was a candidate for for player of the well, season. Well, at the end of at the end of the season, my my end of season awards, I went for Alves second and Rivanisroy first, and and I, I still slightly regret it because there's no doubt from in my in my opinion, there's no doubt that Alves was the best player in Spain that year. But I kind of like you know Madrid have just won this extraordinary title. It's got to be a Madrid player. And Vanisroy, there was a real he was a set, top scorer. Yes, exactly. No, no, yeah. absolutely. It's, it's an entirely justified choice. Yeah. But it, but the, you know the that kind of borderline decision between one or the other, I think, was probably still keeps you was, up, was, was, a little yeah. bit. He <laughs> took away. Regrets, I've yeah. had a few. Yeah, yeah. And, and, but the thing about Van Nistelrooy, I remember actually speaking of regrets, there was a slight tinge of regret all the way through that season that, wow, this guy's amazing. Someone should have signed him three or four years ago. That, you know, here was a Galactico striker that we'd kind of overlooked, mm. partly because, I suppose, he wasn't very glamorous, even if he was very, very good indeed. Of course, Van Nistelrooy had played with Beckham at, at Manchester United, but they signed Beckham, was it four years earlier? This is Beckham's last season, of course. And he was one of these guys who... I remember him scoring a, a couple of brilliant goals. One volley in particular really, really sticks in the mind. Oh, exactly. the, the long against Valencia. Yeah, the long bending cross. I, mean, I was watching that on YouTube. Go and look up Van Nistelrooy's goal against Outside of Valencia. the boot. It's a lovely the team move beforehand. Yeah, and then, really yeah, is. it comes to Van Nistelrooy and he takes it first. Time. And he, it he did that. Um, all the way through the season most of the goals weren't spectacular but it was just the consistency of contribution but also in a team that just, was frankly pretty bad I they're mean, not just know, poachers goals that's the thing they, they, he, does, he did all score sorts, all kinds of goals which is maybe forgotten a little bit I and I, 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 off the top of my head I'm, I'm not 100% certain about this but I, I seem to recall an incredible an incredible chip away at Osasuna. Was that the, the, mm, that yes. the game in, the that's the game that he in November? He scored three four. or four. He four scored it was. all four yeah. of Real Madrid's goals away yeah. at Osasuna. We've talked on the pod loads about how difficult it is for Madrid to go to Osasuna. And he so went, to do that and score four. Yeah, yeah. And he, he and was he's, brilliant. Uh, he's uh, still very well liked. He's still got a good... Uh, yep. Um, legacy here in in Madrid, partly I think because of this this league title. Well, I, I mentioned this the other day um, on 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 Twitter. Someone, the I think it was it was one of the Real Madrid accounts, uh, Emma, I think of Real Madrid, I think which which look at kind of historic things, and they said today is the anniversary of the best league title we've ever won. Hmm. And obviously, I knew that we were doing this, but so my mind was kind of that little bit more trained on it than normal. And I replied and said, "Well, I don't know about the best, but certainly the most surreal, the most fun, the most enjoyable." And one of the guys who runs one of the kind of very um, kind of a, it's a, I suppose what would you call it, sort of long form writing about Real Madrid, but very much a pro Real Madrid website, got back to me and said, "Well, it is the best because in a way it defined what we are. Hmm. We knew we didn't play the best football that year, but there's something intangible about Real Madrid's hmm. ability to fight against it." And and yeah, there was an element of that. And as you say, that that then is is associated with Van Nistelrooy because in truth probably really was only a season where he was absolutely mm. outstanding but it was a brilliant season and yet though they were uh, they, they, they did struggle a bit certainly the first half uh, of the season they lost uh, they lost at home to uh, Recreativo well, that's amazing getting beaten I mean, 3-0 again I was watching the highlights of that earlier earlier on a really really crazy game so at yeah. the start of uh, the start of 27 27 2007, 2007 yeah. uh, Sevilla were top on 37 points Barcelona just behind them on 35 Real Madrid 5 points behind on 32 Atleti on, on, on 28 so it was already a sort of 3 horse race I, yes. re- I read some Somewhere. I, Valencia I did come out and emerge as a potential candidate sometime in the spring, but sort of, uh, but but it was never really likely. I'm not sure if I can believe this is true, but I read somewhere that this was the first season that Sevilla had actually topped the table for years and years yes. and years, like going back something crazy, like 50 years or. Well, they or won something. the league. Sevilla won the league in 47, was it? Something like that. Uh, around about then, so it's probably the first time they've topped the, top the table since then. Mm. Yeah, uh, they 
went into the transfer market in the winter as well, Real Madrid, and, and signed Marcelo, uh, Gago and Higuain. Yes, not, none of whom no. had an immediate impact, but obviously Marce- certainly Marcelo, and you would probably argue Higuain up to a point, had a long-term impact that was very significant. They got rid of, um, of Ronaldo in that, in that winter transfer window as, as well, having, I think, only scored one goal. Yeah, and season. Ronaldo, <coughs> I mean, there's, there was a famous um, story about Fabio Capello going into the showers at, at Real Madrid, in the dressing room at Real Madrid, and seeing Ronaldo there, and literally saying to him in front of everyone, are you not ashamed of being so fat? And this was the season of Ronaldo's decline. I mean, quite apart, but even if it is a season of Ronaldo's decline, I mean, it's a, it's a hell of a thing to say, isn't it? Mm. Talking of silly things that Capello said, it was that January as well that, I mean, you mentioned David Beckham, that Capello came out and said, Beckham will not play for Real Madrid again. And then he came back after two months and scored a free kick away at Real Sociedad. Um, this was the period at which, in truth, in fairness to Capello, and it's not often that I say that, um, because he was you know, largely responsible for a lot of the awful stuff we saw that year. In fairness to Capello, in a way he was reinforcing a club policy because what had happened was that Beckham always had in mind um, to go to Los Angeles, but essentially because of the, the way things were going and the way that he fell out with Pedro Miatovic, who was a sporting director, and Ramon Calderon, the president, and to, to a slightly lesser extent, Capello, um, he essentially brought that forward two years. So he went to Los Angeles ahead of time, Beckham. Um, he was always going to, but he went ahead of time. And the way that was managed really, really irritated Beckham's camp and really irritated the club. And essentially what happened was that the club said, right, well, He's not playing again. Hmm. Had enough of this. He's not playing again. The other key element in this um, is that Beckham thought, one of the reasons why he was prepared to bring this forward, Beckham thought his England career was over. Hmm. And it turned out it wasn't. And had his England career still been alive, I am absolutely certain that he would not have gone to Los Angeles yet. Which obviously is borne out by the fact he then comes back on loan to Milan Mm. and back on loan to Paris Saint-Germain because he wants to demonstrate that he can still do it in Europe. And that got very, very nasty. And and in the end, it it happened like that. There was a moment, for example, when Beckham confronts... uh, I can't... I must confess, I can't remember if it was Calderon or Mijatovic in front of the rest of the squad and stood up to him and basically said, you've been lying about me, this is... Bang out of order. I'm not having this. And the other players were like, well, this guy who we didn't know even spoke I was going to say, it's quite hard to imagine Beckham huge, even doing that. Because he's such a sort of quiet, yeah. quietly spoken he's, guy. He's, he's aggressive when he needs to be, I think, Beckham. But but I'm, I'm surprised as well, particularly in Spanish. And, and that won him a lot of respect. And I actually think it won some of the respect from, from Capello. Okay. And Capello essentially decided, you know what? I've got this player here. He can be useful back in the team. And when you see some of Beckham's performances in the in the latter stages of that season, he was brilliant. Well, those uh, well, last, yeah, those last three months were very good. Well, so back to the uh, the title race. As we said, the uh, the year had started with Sevilla top, but by February, uh, Barcelona were top of the table. However. Um, all wasn't well behind closed doors mm. at Barcelona with uh, Eto uh, reportedly refusing to play against Racing. Yeah, and he. The, this was the beginning of the glimpses of the breakdown in his relationship with Ronaldinho, which we didn't really see explode properly until the following season, but it was starting. There was this incredible, I was reading about this sort of impromptu press conference that Eto gave. So he'd come, he'd, this, no? he'd come back from this injury, yeah. he'd refused to play allegedly against Racing, uh, then he was due to appear at this, it was some sort of public event yeah. with the media, they thought, you know, surely he's going to cancel. <laughs> he, t- he turned up anyway... And then in front of the media, just unloaded, like it's worth reading the transcript, unloaded on basically everybody, Absolutely everyone else at the club. It's you know, the, the board, the coach, his teammates. Have you seen it? I mean, the, the footage is amazing because what happens is he does this talk 
And then he ducks behind the screen, obviously, as, as tends to be at these sponsors' events, the screen covered with the sponsor's name on it, which I think was a wine-growing thing, but I, I can't remember for sure. But it was at a place called Penedesta, there's something or other. And he's going behind the screen, they think, wow, it's over. And he kind of puts his head yeah. back around <laughs> the screen again and says, and by the way, and starts going off again. And there's a, there's a moment where, after the event, he's asked about this, and he says something like, well, if you attack me with guns, I attack you with bombs. You know, I'm not having this. Yeah, it was, it was, it was, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Lovely. It was basically yeah, that yeah. classic quote from The Untouchables, you know, you, he pulls a knife, you pull a gun. Yeah, exactly. He sends one of yours to the hospital, <laughs> you send one of his to the morgue. It was yeah, that kind of, absolutely, uh, kind of thing. Absolutely right. Barca were knocked off the uh, top by Sevilla at the start of uh, March. Um, they won 2-1 at the sanchez Pijuan, a game which included three red cards and Ronaldinho missing a penalty. Yes. yes. And this, in a way, is, I mean... We, Obviously, we'll, we'll come on to this in a minute, the, the amazing ability that Real Madrid had to get victories from defeats. Barcelona were the opposite. And I remember writing about Barcelona and describing them as a, as a James Bond bad guy. That, you know, instead of just shooting the bloke, yes. you set up an, an elaborate <laughs> system of lasers that, that creep towards his groin. And of course, in the meantime, James Bond gets up, saves a day, uh, sleeps with the attractive woman, and everyone's happy. And Barcelona were like that. They kept on letting people off. And that was a, that was a crazy few days, because Sevilla beat Barca in that game, and then I think literally three or four days later was when both Madrid and Barca both got knocked out of the Champions League. Basically, in in successive days, and then a couple of days after that was was the classic. Was the classic. And to put this into context, by the way, so so Sevilla, the Sevilla team who beat Barcelona that day, which is in in March, um, that Sevilla team, their annual budget was thirty million euros. Real Madrid's was four hundred and sorry three hundred and thirty six. Barcelona's was two hundred and forty two, and even Valencia's was one hundred and thirty three. So this is the kind of the enormity of what that that Sevilla team were were doing. Absolutely extraordinary. And as you say, Ronaldinho has a penalty saved by Palop. Very, very good goalkeeper. Very important in that Sevilla team, and they were they were just brilliant. Um, that Clasico, which we mentioned, finished three three at the Camp Nou. So this head to head, it all rests on that two 0 And that is one of the one of the best Clasicos that, that we've ever seen. <laughs> I think we, we talked about it in our Clasico show, didn't we? Earlier this earlier this season, yes. that's the famous Messi hat trick. We haven't really talked about Messi so far, but Messi at this stage, people knew about Messi because he'd come into the he'd come into the team and he'd been off the bench for the previous sort of year or two. But this was the year that Messi really established himself as being something truly. And special. this this game was was it. You know, it's a Messi hat-trick Madrid going to the lead three times Messi pulls it back three times he's 19 years old at this stage we already knew he was special I actually looked this up at that point he'd played 35 league games and only lost two of them but of course he had those niggling thigh injuries which, which meant I think even then we all watched him and thought if he gets continuity, he is going to be the best thing we've ever seen. And that game was kind of the, the, the arrival of it. As you say, they both come into it having been knocked out of Europe. There was, I remember all the talk was of, the, ah, this is going to be an awful Classico. This one's, I think, the, the depressed Classico, the fear Classico. There was a, a front-page headline on one of the papers that says, this is the last train. Whoever loses this is out of the title race. Of course, neither of them lost it. And that day, Sevilla lost 1-0 at Nastic. And then suddenly, hang on a minute, there's a title race here. It's worth pointing out here, and it's not someone I normally big up, but that day Messi was amazing, but so was Guti. Guti had one of those games where you just think, bloody hell, this guy's incredible. Um, but, as I say, Messi came back, free, free equaliser, and then in the 94th minute, Ronaldinho gets bundled over by Diarra in the Barcelona penalty area, and the referee looks the other way, and that's, and that's it. So there's so many moments where you think, ooh, what could have been? Absolutely. It sounds like quite a game. Oh, it was amazing. That was one of the most enjoyable yeah. games I've ever seen. It was just extraordinary. Wow. Okay, so Barcelona uh, were top on 50 points, level with Sevilla 
on 50 points. Valencia third on 47. Real Madrid fourth yeah. with 45. Yeah. Uh, now we're heading into the running and as we mentioned there were some, um, some really important moments. Real Madrid coming from behind. They were losing uh, away at Sevilla but they came back and they won 3-2. That game by the way um, Guti comes off the bench yeah. and there's a couple of assists. And he's oh yeah. That back, one yeah, yeah. It's the back heel one. Yeah. 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 It's that back heel that one. Back, which is, which is which is the other back we, heel. We've argued assist. about this before, but it's better than the one at Deportivo, in my opinion. It, it's better, but I prefer the one at Deportivo. Okay. Yeah, I buy that. This one is technically, no, right. is technically better. Uh, they also came from behind to uh, uh, to win at Huelva against Recre on a match day 35. And that, that winning goal was Roberto Carlos in the 91st minute, <laughs> and that was his last ever this, goal for Real Madrid. This was kind of what was happening all the way through, right? I, 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 I tried to... I tried to kind of get on top of this to try and work out if I could sort of express how sort of how amazing their comeback was. As, as we've already said, seven of the last eight games they were they were coming back. They 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 went into this at week twenty one. They were the, this was the worst Real Madrid team in 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 fifty years or something. They were just 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 awful. And yet suddenly, bang! Here it came, one after the other after the other. And of course, the two big ones. The two big ones are. Week 34 and week 37, which are just bonkers. I was just laughing then, by the way. Sorry, I feel like listeners have to know this. Um, Sometimes when Sid is looking for a quote, he's scrolling through the photos on his phone. And as he does so, every time he scrolls past about 15 different photos of his dog <laughs> before he gets to the screen. That, that is true. I really for. should have got rid yeah. of the dog ones. Really but, but I mean, here's one. So, so in, in April, I remember, write, I remember writing a column. Right, which um, I, I don't know if I've got this because I think this this just a sort of sums up how Scroll I back lo- past those. Uh, yes, yeah, so, oh, oh, there's Stella. If I can find if I can find the way that I open one of these columns because it was just completely stupid. Uh, where are we? Right. So and I I look these these things up. These things are facts, right? right? To explain how ridiculous. It, also, by the way, to point out that I was a smart ass and I could see Real Madrid winning the league. Yeah. I could see this coming. Tonsils bounce higher than rubber balls. New Mexico's greatest tourist attraction is a nacho. Elbow transplants come from scrotums. And actually, you can see that, can't you, if you look at your elbow. Polar bears can eat 86 penguins in one sitting. But obviously, only if someone takes the wrapper off first, etc. and so on. Bats can dodge raindrops one by one, apparently, which is incredible. And Rio's monkeys hang from trees by their dicks. Chairman Mao cleaned his teeth with tea. Gandhi glugged a glass of urine every morning. Jimmy Chirori won the European Cup. And Real Madrid are going to win the league. <laughs> when Rid- did you write that? Ridiculous but true. That was in April. Wow. And because and what what the point I made in in that piece was to say because you cannot keep getting away with it and then not win it. You know, you kind of got this sense that they're going to do this. And they're so bad. But Barca must have just been thinking, what do we have to do? Because there were some games, like you say, where Madrid are coming back to to beat Recre. That's when you know the same weekend. I think Barca beat Atletico Madrid six 0 away or something. That yeah. game, by the way, very significant. I mean, a slight tangent, but we'll come back. That's the game that persuades Fernando Torres to leave. At the end of that game, he says, right, that's it. And that's also the game. I remember the build-up to this. Brilliant. Because this was the game where Atletico Madrid, of course, defined themselves more than anything else, particularly then, by not being Real Madrid. Mm. And in the build-up to this game, they were saying that all the talk was about, do you let yourself lose? Because you really don't want Madrid to win the league. So you lose to Barcelona, you, you, you resolve it, great. You know, that helps them out. With about... Half an hour to go before the game, the Atletico fans are in early, and this is when they find out about the late, late goal in Welver. And the Atletico fans cheer, Real Madrid, sorry, the, 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 the Welver equaliser. They cheer, ah, oh, it's great. 
Real Madrid aren't going to win, which means we can go and play play against Barca properly, beat Barca, and it won't matter. Real Madrid still won't win the league. Obviously, last minute of the game, Real Madrid score. <laughs> and then they go and lose 6-0 to Barca anyway. But it doesn't even help, because Barca still don't win the league. Uh, so, uh, match day 37 really is one of the most dramatic uh, match days in, 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 in recent memory in La Liga. Uh, Barcelona are playing... Espanol, it's, yeah. it's, it's the Catalan derby. At the same time, uh, Real Madrid are taking on uh, Zaragoza. Yeah. So, in Barcelona, at the camp now, it's at the camp now, isn't it? Yes, 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 yes. it's at the camp now. Um, I was there. Barcelona are, are, are winning 2 1, right? It's all, going, it's all going according to plan. Mm-hmm. And then up, 89 minutes and 30 seconds. And then up pops. Raúl Tamudo and check out obviously our podcast on the language of Spanish football mm. because he produces something known as the Tamudazo. Yeah. <laughs> Tamudo, just add Atho on to yeah. the end and scores this goal, equalising for um, for uh, for Espanyol, which is which is great for Espanyol. It's even better for Real Madrid because. At the same time, mm. is it 17 seconds later? 18, 18 seconds. 18, 18 so it was 10.47 and 19 seconds and 10.47 and 37 seconds They on a Saturday night. It's just they equalise at Zaragoza. It's incredible. Yeah, it's absolutely extraordinary. I remember the footage of Rud van Nistelrooy scoring late at Zaragoza and jogging back to the centre circle and saying to, the team, to his teammates, come on, come on, come on, we've got to get another one. Yeah. And then looking up and seeing the scoreboard flash up the score yeah. from the other game and going... I don't believe it. Yeah. We needed two goals. Yeah. The good thing is we didn't need to score them both ourselves. Yeah. Espanyol have just gone and scored one of them for us. And those two results mean that the two teams are level with yeah. one game to go on 73 points each. The other thing is this, this is the second time it happens, right? So this is week 37. In week 34, in the 89th minute of both games, the same thing happened. So Real Madrid were drawing 3-3 with Espanyol with a Pandiani header and Barca are 1-0 up to Betis. Now, they weren't playing simultaneously, but it still happened in the 89th minute of week 34 to both teams, Real Madrid are third, four points adrift, and they basically, it's gone. Then Real Madrid score, 4-3 in the last minute. At the same time, Betis, a guy called Sobis, who was a Brazilian who wasn't very good, scores to make it 1-1. So it, that happened in, in a 60-second kind of gap. Obviously, a 60-second plus a day, but in terms of the, the minute of the game. And then it happens again in week 37, which was 18 seconds. And that, Bonkers. that Tamudazo is... <coughs> You know, still talked about. It's still mentioned. It's still an incredibly important and iconic historic moment, certainly in Real Madrid history. And produces possibly the best front page headline we've ever seen, which was the shag of the century, <laughs> written by Espanol supporting Barcelona baiting uh, Thomas Guash, who was oh, yes. uh, likes to think of himself as funny. I must confess, I don't see it uh, or hear it. I think he's irritating, but that's another issue. Um, and but anyway, this headline, yeah, the the, the shag of the century. And the coach of that Espanol team, of course, was Ernesto Valverde. Yes. So it was. Who yeah, you will yeah. be familiar with. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, oh um, God, I'd forgotten that, yeah. So you, on, you had a very good season with Espanol. Yes, very good. On the final day uh, of the season, level on points, Barcelona uh, taking on uh, Nastic or Tarragona, Real Madrid. Uh, playing Mallorca, all you have to do is equal uh, Barcelona's uh, uh, result and, yeah. your, and your, your champions. Barcelona winning, they won 5-1, no problem. Then mm. beating Nastic or Real Madrid, go a goal down. Yes, at home to Mallorca, and they should go more than the goal down as well. There's a great chance for Varela to make it two 0 just before half time. And you're thinking, my goodness, they could having done all season done the opposite. Yeah, they could actually blow this, and yet they didn't. Once again, do you know what happened? I'm not sure if I should say this really, seeing as you know a lot of our listeners will be English. They took Beckham off, mm. and mm. that's what won them the league. 
because they put a certain Jose Antonio Reyes on the pitch, who was brilliant in the second half. The other one of the other curious things he scored was, twice. Scored twice, yeah. and you know who scored the other goal? Mohamedou Diarra, who didn't want to play because he was due on international duty, and Madrid banned him from going. Well, banned him, told him he couldn't go, and he actually came out publicly and said, "I want to travel." I don't want to be here. I want to travel. And he comes and scores with a towering header from a corner. Yes. Not last year. Not last year. (laughs) Who would probably never tower a header in his life. And the the scenes of celebration at the final whistle are amazing. There's there's, photos of Capello's punch in the air, Beckham's punch in the air, Robinho is uh, squirting a bottle of water all over Capello's head. There's a moment as well, I think, in in the kind of the choreograph celebration where someone's going across the pitch in an enormous transparent ball mm. like a hamster pushing a wheel around it's really quite bizarre now, I mean the celebrations are bonkers the most the most I've ever seen for a league mm. just just extraordinary uh, it ended then with Real Madrid top on 76 points the same as Barcelona of course but that victory in the first Clasico ultimately uh, doing it for them uh, third were Sevilla on 71 points uh, Valencia fourth on 66 points Villarreal fifth on 62 Villarreal who um, Villarreal won their last eight games in a row on the way to finishing fifth, wow. which at that time was their second best ever finish, and Diego Forlan, of course, was knocking the goals for them. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and also you look, you look at that Sevilla team, by the way, and I, I think in a way this is, I mean, I, I don't, you know, Madrid fans won't thank me for saying this, but this season feels like a, a tremendous tragedy in a way because it was that lost opportunity for a great Sevilla team. They won the Copa del Rey and the Europa, the Europa League, well, the UEFA Cup, as it was then, um, and I think if in either one of those tournaments they hadn't. Stayed into the final, they'd have won the well, league. Of course, bear in mind as they well. They went out of gas, basically. Bear in mind the order, about that on classic yeah, teams, the order in which yeah. those things happened. Because when Sevilla won the UEFA Cup, and we can talk about that in a second, they were still just two points off the top of the league because mm. the UEFA Cup final was, was early. Yes. Then they, they drew and lost their last two games in the league, and then they had the Copa del Rey final that they yeah. won. Yeah, it was a, it was a, real, a real pity because they, they were a great team, and I think everybody knew that the chances are. Although they kept most of those players, I mean, Danny Alves doesn't leave for another two seasons. The chances are it wasn't going to, you know, it wasn't going to happen again. Uh, your team of the season features heavily uh, severe players. You had uh, Palop in goal, Danny Alves, uh, you had Navarro yep. uh, centre back, uh, Sergio Ramos yep. uh, centre back as well, and Cap de Vila. Uh, who is not a severe player? Uh, Casola, Iniesta, Paulson, uh, Silva, Milito, and Van Nistelrooy. It's a yeah. pretty tasty team. It is a pretty tasty team, isn't it? And uh, Milito, of course, was one of two Militos playing for Zaragoza that year because both Gabby and his brother Diego yeah. were both on the same side. Uh, the top goal scorers were uh, Rude Van Nistelrooy with 25. Um, Diego Milito yes. on 23. Yeah. <laughs> he was really, really good that year. Uh, Freddy Canuti on 21, Ronaldinho on 21, and uh, sexy Diego Forlan on uh, 19. And I think it's the following season when Forlan scores 32, is it, for Villarreal? Uh, relegated were Celta, Real Sociedad, and Nastic. I remember Real Sociedad a bar in, in the centre of uh, San Sebastián that put shut down, put a sign on the door, said, we will not open again until Real Sociedad win two games in a row. As far as I know, they didn't. I mean, I might be wrong about this, but as far as I know, they didn't open again that season. And at that point, Real Sociedad had been in the Primera for forty years. So for them to go down was was huge. Celta, as you say, went down as well. Uh, They had finished sixth the year before, Mm -hmm. so they went from finishing sixth to getting relegated. Mm -hmm. There we go. That was super season. Oh, by the way, um, two other teams to shout out that we we don't have time to discuss in detail, but it's worth mentioning. Hetafe that year, very, very good under shoes to finish ninth. And Racing that year, finishing 10th, 
with one of the all-time great uh, big oh, man, little man brilliant. partnerships up front. Zigic and Munitis. Oh, yeah. I mean, genuinely, you could put two Munitises on each, um, standing on each other's shoulders and they would not be as tall as Zigic. <laughs> I mean, there was literally a foot yeah, difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Might, I mean, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not making this yeah. up. It really was. Wow. Also, it might be worth pointing out at this stage, yeah. Capello tried to resign in February of this season and ended up winning the league. Yeah. Basically stayed because it was like, well, there's no one else. Tough luck. Carry on. And the players basically took over. And it all worked out in the end. Uh, the, uh, yeah, what, what is it? What is they say in Spanish? To have happily ever after. Their version of happily ever after is, and they all ate uh, partridge, isn't it? They say felices como perdices. No, felices como eran perdices. Ah, there we go. Creo. Yes, something like that. Anyway, two more goals to look up on on YouTube. Soldado scoring from basically inside his own half. And Ronaldinho with the, the scissor kick um, against Villarreal. Which is great as well because he controls it on his chest first. There we go. Uh, lots to uh, pack in, but it was uh, quite a super season, 2006-2007. We'll be back in a couple of weeks talking about another super season. So make sure you join us then. Adios. Cheerio. Bye. Bye.